I'm Naomi Brockwell from NBTV, and you are listening to Milk from Coinspice. You're listening to Milk, Soothing Crypto's Burn, with host C. Edward Kelso from Coinspice.io, your home for just spicy crypto things online. Crypto Savages, this is your host, C. Edward Kelso, Editor-in-Chief out at Coinspice.io, back with another episode of Milk, Soothing Crypto's Burn. This time around, I've got David Gerard. He's author of Attack of the 50-Foot Blockchain, which I'm sure you heard about at one point. I know you've at least seen some of his tweets. He is biting. He is spicy. He brings the spice. Remember, this is not coin... Love, coin kumbaya, coin opera, coin church. This is coin spice. We're going to get spicy. And today, I think <laughs> this counts as one of the spiciest episodes ever. Uh, you'll hear me laughing. I, of course, I love to laugh, but it's because he says so many things that just crack me up. And I'm trying to mute myself as I go along, uh, but I can't help it. And he's also funny. Like He's, he's a really funny guy. Um, that's another thing. Twitter is 2D, uh, writing is 2D, so it's hard to get a sense of, of if Gerard is you know, a good guy or a villain or whatever. He's, he's a really good guy. He's a nice guy. I don't hold his opinions, but I think we're worse for it if we ignore or we dismiss or we refuse to grapple with him. He has a lot of very controversial things to say, some of, some of which I'm sure you've heard or read. Others, I think, he just puts it in a way and he comes from a perspective where he has no love for the space. <laughs> he likes some of the people. He figures I'm sure they're nice people. But we're all either dupes or we're evil. There ain't no in-between. So with that, I give you author of Attack of the 50-Foot Blockchain, none other than crypto hater David Gerard. I, 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 I found you – it has. To, I, it can't be two years, but it, it damn well might be. A year and a half. Um, yeah, I, I must have found you uh, because you started to get uh, some buzz with the release of your book, uh, Attack of the 50-Foot Blockchain, and you, were, you, you did it right at the, depending on who's you know, reading or assessing your work, right at the perfect or worst time. And uh, for true yeah. believers, you came, you came in, th- that book is brutal. <laughs> And you came right in and you just started, pardon the phrase, bitch slapping pretty much the entire industry. And, and again, it's not, it's not a, a polemic. Um, it, it's very well. Oh, it's totally a polemic. Well, well, it, it, <laughs> well there it is. Um, so anyway, uh, I just want to say thank you. Opinionated but well cited. A yes. good polemic has to be both of those things. <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. And that's, that was going to be my, my ultimate point. Um, so let's get, uh, let's get right into it. Um, so I know that you just think blockchain is going to change the world and, uh, that the Long Island Ice Tea Company, uh, should change their, uh, their, their name to uh, Long Island blockchain. So the, the, there's a blockchain hype that you, that, that really is the focal point of, of your book and, and you kind of use it to delve into all these different, uh, very literate, yeah. uh, places. But ultimately I think, what you rest on and what I find super compelling is that the industry I'm involved in is maybe less about the tech and more about a psychological movement. 
Yeah, it is. Um, like technology isn't actually new. None of this stuff. Um, right. All of this stuff. Gwen Branwyn did a great thing where he wrote up a um, list of all the technologies that went into Bitcoin. And it's like none of them were new. They're all the, the oldest. The newest one was 2001 when SHA-256 was finalized. Right. And then it took several years before someone bothered putting all the pieces together to do this weird trick. Um, and, you know, it's a very impressive trick that Satoshi did. Um, right. Where... Uh, He's came up with this token-based system that had no central node, and that was actually quite remarkable. Now, interesting is different to feasible or a good idea, but it is interesting. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, so, um, yeah, but um, so a lot of people try to take the pieces and call them blockchain technology, and. Um, which means what's that mean? It's got a miracle tree in it, you know. Yeah, I, I really, I honestly couldn't, couldn't. And this is something that that we agree on, you know, from almost the get go. Uh, even if the antecedent doesn't quite follow uh, for me, um, is that I, I really don't. When people say blockchain technology, I mean, I've, I've been working in the, the space for years, uh, pretty intimately. It's a weaselly marketing term. It doesn't mean right. anything. And 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 Satoshi in the white paper doesn't use the word blockchain. Another, they they circle each other. Uh, you know, chains and blocks and so on. Uh, but there's, that doesn't seem to be the point of this. Yeah, it's literally like a comment in the original Bitcoin code, and it's the words right. blockchain. Right. The blockchain, meaning the chain of blocks, you know. Right. I mean, it's not a difficult data structure. I have successfully explained the blockchain data structure to an audience of bankers, you know, like not <laughs> reasonably bright people, but not right. technical at all, because it's not complicated. But... Um, I mean, if you want a weird, one weird trick that's really impressive, yeah, Merkle trees are a pretty impressive trick, you know, a tamper-evident ledger on a computer. And yeah, um, yeah. this is useful in a certain limited range of uh, cases. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of questions with um, the way the Bitcoin space works as well, because what happened, as I say in the book, a, a lot of people, you had a lot of starry-eyed naive people who didn't quite understand it but they they knew there was a promise of a way out a way forward one weird trick that could make them rich and happy and that acts like a sort of catnip for scammers so you got a lot of bitcoin scammers coming in a lot of these were just were actually serial scammers like the butterfly labs guys do you know they had convictions for mail fraud before they tried doing butterfly labs <laughs> that sort of thing right right like the early days the pre-2014 field of history it's it's amazing stuff all these serial scammers these, uh, these, gaza these... and Paycoin. it's <laughs> it's incredible but these these are my people right so so i i love i don't like scamming and i don't like hurting people or fraud defrauding oh, yeah. them but the, there's a lot the, of well-meaning people, but that produces opportunities for um, well-meaning for not so well-meaning predators who can smile nicely. Sure, sure. And but we need—I I don't know. There's something we'll get into this maybe later. I, I think we kind of because they people want to want to you know hear you, not me. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a, there is a school of thought that, yeah. but all the scammers actually mean that there's lots of vital activity in the field. You know, which is like saying, yeah. with all this horse poop, there's got to be a pony." But that doesn't necessarily. <laughs> oh Jesus! Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but I think also there's there's <laughs> there's a sense that we need we need rogues. We need people who you know mail fraud doesn't scare me, and and people who've been to prison or or, or you know been jailed or felons or doesn't scare me. 
it's it's more like to me it's it's just an invitation to people who think outside the box and i know um that doesn't probably sit well with most people when they hear it um in terms of fraud and crime and so on but a lot of this to me is is kind of beside the point so um but but anyway um like i said we, we can touch on it a little bit later so the psychology that i think what what, what really hit me with you is that you found something early, relatively early, that a lot of people didn't find, which is this was a big push by anarcho-capitalist. And well, that's my tribe. So it was really interesting that you found that out and you, you connected those dots. I knew it already, but it was actually reading David Columbia's book, um, Politics of Bitcoin. It's really weird because in 2018, 2019, suddenly I'm seeing Bitcoiners act like this is not good news for Bitcoin or something. And they go into denial about it. And I'm going, what, that, that, this is literally the history, you know? Like, here are, the na- here are names of some of the people, you know? <laughs> and, and I don't understand why it's suddenly, they feel that they need to rewrite history to make cryptos look good. And I don't get it. Um, but so I basically worked out of David Columbia's book. Now, to be absolutely mm-hmm. clear, his book is totally political. He is a leftist activist, and he wrote this book for other leftist activists sure, sure. to say to them, no, no, there is nothing good in this blockchain or bitcoin stuff. Don't go near it. It's terrible. Um, so um, that was where he was coming from. But he did a lot of the homework. Basically, he supplied my bibliography, right? Got he it, did the it. research for me. I knew I had to write a chapter about the origins of Bitcoin, and he did about half my homework. So, and for um, someone like you, did this? Did the, the anarcho-capitalist um, philosophy, as, as 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 well as you understand it, did that? It, did it suddenly go? Ah, now I see why these guys are such idiots. Or is it just, or or was it just a just so story that people put on top of Bitcoin after Bitcoin was real? Um, it, good question, but. You know, a lot. Satoshi never said, I am an anarcho-capitalist. But he espoused a lot of the ideas. It was basically what he assumed from his sort of way of thinking about the world. It really obviously was. Um, And, of course, it attracted a lot of ANCAPs early. Like, it attracted lots because it was obviously supposed to be literally a digital implementation of gold, of the gold standard. Or Satoshi's post about something better than gold. Um, which is grey, uninteresting, but you can trade it digitally, that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious that that, that it did actually come from there. Um, so, yeah. It's, yeah, I find that fascinating. Uh, this is just the history, but... and it's weird that people deny it and go, what, how could you say such a thing? How do you say such slurs? And I'm going, what? <laughs> no, I, I, think it's, I think it's relatively clear. It's just, it, like, like you say, it's either dismissed altogether or it's denied. And uh, I found that fascinating that you, you didn't do that. That I think that's what ultimately stuck. So, okay, this guy, this guy knows his stuff, like whether or not I I ultimately agree, at least you're like I say, literate, which is very important on my end of things, because before we can consider, and I think that's probably true in any subgenre, before we can consider someone's critique, we really have to kind of go through it. Okay. Do you even understand what it is you're talking about? Now you have a um, kind of a circuitous route, uh, to where you are now, but you actually work in the Unix system, right? 
I work um, as a Unix system administrator. That's my day job. I work for a small publisher in London. Uh, my job is a completely generic job. Right. I mean, I do what thousands, maybe millions of people do. It's, it's nothing unique at all. But this means that I actually know how computers work and stuff. So, which, yeah. which is all the difference in the world, really, uh, if you ask me. Um, yeah, it, it's like it turns out that real systems, basically computers are, computers are trash that don't, don't work. Um, and we have to cajole them into behaving in the slightest. And all real systems are horrible melanges of stringing gaffer tape and paper clips. And basically civilization, it turns out, is held together by um, scotch tape. So, <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm one of the people who sticks the tape on. Sure, and you you this also what I do. Yeah, I was heartened to learn too that you're part of the uh, or were part of the the Rational Wiki movement. Is is that right? Uh, the uh, yeah, I'm still involved in Rational Wiki. I am still what there is for a system administrator at Rational Wiki. Though I don't have time these days. Like I started the Rational Wiki article on Bitcoin, like when it was about two lines. It's now quite a long article of, it's sort of middling. It could do with an update, but I'm, I'm not going to have time to do it. But um, yeah, that was actually, I, I first heard about Bitcoin like 2010, I think, when WikiLeaks was cut off from Visa, MasterCard and PayPal. And I thought, they can't do that. They can do that. And, you know, then someone said, oh, they could use Bitcoins. And I went, what? And I looked into it and I saw all these promises. It's a magical new system where you can get rich with no effort. So the first thing about get-rich-quick schemes is there's no such thing on average. Right. Basically, if anyone says they've got a get-rich scheme, there's probably something wrong with it. So skepticism is totally the right approach. Um, so sometimes you can get lucky, sometimes not. Um, people have made a lot of money in Bitcoin. People lost a lot of money in Bitcoin. Um, there's not much of a cryptocurrency economy as such. There's no circular flow of income. So it sort of functionally most it pretty much works in conventional currency still and um a big pile of bitcoins is not um a pile of capital you can invest and grow it's just a commodity you can buy sell or trade so it hasn't taken off in that sense and maybe and it won't unless it can get grow an economy and, and do you have any <clears throat> because uh uh you know there's there's always <clears throat> the latest greatest is is coming uh, when it's a uh, concern with, with Bitcoin, um, BTC, is that uh, backed um, and some of these institutional, um, you know, this has always been kind of kind of the lightning network with uh, Bitcoin Core. It's only 18 months away. Um, what, what do you say to the possibility? I mean, obviously we saw CME and CBOE, some of the, the Chicago Merck guys uh, come in uh, December, and a lot of people think they just flattened the market. But... Um, that didn't really have any impact positively on the price do you, or, or the, the, the ecosystem. Do you think, do you think, and I kind of know the answer, but I want to ask anyway, do, do you think, do you, do you see it as encouraging, um, from a steel man perspective, steel manning perspective, uh, looking at BTC that, that regulated exchanges, you know, physically settled Bitcoin futures are, are coming supposedly? I don't know, maybe. I mean, the thing about the CME and CBRE futures is they're really low volume. Right, um, right. There isn't actually huge demand for them, relatively speaking. And basically, you have to be a proper institutional investor to get into those. All the sort of futures and derivatives 
gambling sort of things on Bitcoin are um, on the less regulated exchanges and the ones which are nearly unregulated. I mean, you know, BitMEX's volume dwarfs, say, Coinbase's, for example. Right. Um, um, but um, I don't know how much of that is actual um, Bitcoins, of course, um, or if it's just bets on Bitcoins. So right, or watch, this is right. actually, I think, why a lot of, you get a lot of the really weird price stuff, which I've written about on the blog, about um, where you see BART formations on the uh, Bitcoin price, where you see sudden it rises $400 in a minute. Then it holds there for a few hours and it goes down for hundred dollars in. <laughs> and that's really obviously someone trying to burn the shorts or burn the longs, um, burn the margin traders because they don't care about the number so much as they care about the change in the number. The spread, because yeah. the number affects uh, one of their bets somewhere else. So this is, and it, this is not unique to cryptos in any way. It does right. happen on more conventional trading venues. Well, we saw Apple just uh, take a crap, uh, what, yesterday? Uh, 10% yeah. and, and go ahead. Yeah, but um, that was because they actually had actually really bad numbers to report. Uh, <laughs> so there was a reason for it sort of thing. It was the market responding to a signal. Whereas in really thinly traded markets that have not much regulation, you'll see BART type formations all the time, usually for the same reason. Someone's trying to burn the shorts. And when, you say, when you say BART type, you mean Bart Simpson, the, the, the way yeah, the yeah. hair is. The Bart, Bart Simpson it. haircut Got formation it. on the price chart. Um, yeah, it's like this is not a well-regulated market. My, I mean... I think that basically the future for the next few years will be increased normalization and regulation of this stuff because unregulated doesn't mean exempt from legal considerations. It usually just means the regulators haven't shown up yet. And yeah. it's important to stress, by the way, is a mythology in, in cryptocurrency lands that the government will not tolerate this exciting new money and they'll squash it like a boot coming from the sky. They haven't done this ever. Um, they basically, when they see it, we live in capitalist countries, you know, uh -huh. they, the government likes you to make money. <laughs> They're really into you making money and making money in finance. That's awesome. But we also have the SEC for a reason, which is basically that people played the game so hard. They nearly broke the board in the twenties and we had the stock market go through the floor and the SEC was founded because retail investors were getting skinned. And that's not good for anyone. So, yeah. Um, so let me just, just put a pin in that because I think those are all really yeah. good points. You, do you ever, like, this is something that I argue in my head with, with your writing as I, I've read it and listened to you speak and stuff. Yeah, like I say, I, I'm, I'm an admirer. Um, do, you ever, do you ever get the counter argument? Do you, do you ever consider that to say the, because uh, you, you seem to have uh, an economic worldview <clears throat> quite opposite mine, which is fine. Uh, that's 99% of the human population. But the, did you ever I'm a tedious, fluffy, milk toast liberal, basically. And I okay. think uh, okay. the, world is, the world makes sense if you, will probably make sense if you muddle through a bit. And if I claim to understand it, I'd be fibbing. And I basically catch up with stuff by um, talking to people who know more than I do and um, sure, sure. and I, checking I think, with them. Yeah, I think so uh, if, yeah, if we're all basically, more honest, if you assume I take a more or less mainstream view of stuff, you'll be about right. Mm -hmm. And but how do you square your 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 vaunting, your lauding, if you will, of the SEC or it being a necessary? Well, have you come down on it with the two thousand eight 
you know, crash. And then, I mean, I've always kind of wondered, we're getting a little, I'm getting a little off topic here, but I'm I'm really curious because I've I've wanted to ask you this for a while. How do do people in in your position or with your worldview square just, I mean, you, you cannot, I don't think you can, say in 2008, there were just no regulations on the financial industry and there were wildcat cowboys going about, I mean, arguably the most regulated industry on the planet at the time. I mean, I don't know how you get more, I mean, 501 more agencies would have stopped it. Well, people have traced that those where Glass-Steagall was repealed and then the financial industry went nuts and a lot of people warned that this was going to happen because the crash was warned about for years in advance. But a lot of people with money went, no, 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 we're fine. And um, you had a bit of regulatory capture going on there where they weren't as regulated as they should have been. And I personally think quite a lot more bankers should have gone to jail. This didn't happen, and that's bad. But, um, yeah. Um, so, ideally, that would not happen again. And um, it turns out, if you, do, if you do stuff like loosening regulations like that, then disaster ensues hmm. um, approximately two presidential terms later, which is why it was taken off at the beginning of one term and happened at the beginning of the next guy's term. Mm-hmm. So, it's... So, so, um, okay, go ahead. Um, it's... So, yeah, I thought that that was a failure of regulation and quite a bad one, but it's also one that people were warning about for literally years. People were warning that this stuff couldn't go on the way it was in 2003, 2004, and it took until 2008 for it to absolutely explode. But you can't say no one saw it coming because they were, they were yelling from the rooftops, this is bad, guys, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know. and, that, and that really came from all camps. I, I know Bernie Sanders uh, in 2003... Uh, even before then, was was talking about it, but um, <clears throat> irrational exuberance from uh, from Greenspan in, in some cases. But I, I think, from my side of things, is there? Do you ever stop to think that maybe having a government, a a, a central kind of monopoly on violence in this case, you know, caging, jailing, and picking winners and losers and regulations? is maybe the problem like is it is it even feasible to say that you can't roll back a glass steagall or reemplace a glass steagall or um you know uh, insert an executive order here or deny an executive order there if if you don't have these 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 people picking uh those winners and losers and that it, it, like policies you i mean we can get into the housing crisis which is you know obviously beyond mm-hmm. me um but like you have people, especially in the 90s, talking about, uh, you know, housing for everybody, uh, politicians being elected on this idea. And so you get a kind of a malinvestment uh, encouraging uh, from the state, which is, and of course, they're going to ensure all those as they did, as they bailed everybody out. And you've, you're on record as saying that more should have been punished. But I mean, I, I mean, isn't, isn't that far more dangerous than, say, cryptocurrencies? Um, well, most things are more dangerous than cryptocurrencies. <laughs> cryptocurrencies don't really touch the broader economy very much. Um, they, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, they're not very big. So in general, sure. but the very idea of regulation, well, I think that you're going to have a hard time getting away from it because people live in a society and they tend to assume that there are social rules and some of those guidelines have the force of law and they will write them down as laws. And this is sort of how it, how 
that that's the story of the last several thousand years um <laughs> very 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 loosely uh but so in financial markets um what we find is what you see a lot of is that even traders who have a dog-eat-dog attitude and many of whom are into austrian style economics right actually do like there being a regulator there because they may like their platform to be their trading their trading environment being dog-eat-dog they might be totally comfortable with that but they like to know that their platform won't rip them off like um i used to use the example no one's threat model involves new york stock exchange ripping them off then i found out about the one where they were letting some of the high frequency traders in early but (laughs) which would cause a lot of controversy yes but um yeah but the thing is that that was considered outrageous because um it is outrageous you know uh, well no one's threat model is the london stock exchange will rip them off but like in crypto with less regulation you do have to worry about the threat from your exchange and you shouldn't have to but Mm. then what we actually see is that the exchanges that are most regulated compliant and upright and proper like do you know i've heard bad things about every crypto exchange the only one i haven't heard ill will about is gemini and that's because their whole pitch is we are the serious exchange for serious money because their whole pitch is trying to sell to um big money institutional investors sure but, you know, it's, it's their it's trading right volumes are tiny yeah, exactly right and the trading volumes are tiny people want a really good casino you know mm-hmm. bugger that we're going to go on binance we're going to do 100 times leverage on bitmix <laughs> crazy idiot well, and, well yes but see i think it's right into that lull into the into the uh, what you said earlier which is that they they want to have this this faith and i can't think of a better word honest honestly um in in an exchange or in a regulatory but oh, well why do you have faith in the new york stock exchange or the lse or the fitzy or whatever why, why, why do you have have well because it's you know the government and so on and so forth and they and they'll step in and so on um I, I think that's that's where we get these these ginormous bubbles and ones that are that are cataclysmic and i i don't know there's there's just something about that i think that people who are pro regulation and you know, not that they're bad people or anything, but that are pro-government uh, intervention, they always kind of skip over the hard parts. You know, yes, yes, yes. But see, we put Bernie Madoff in jail. Right, but what about all the other guys that you let go and that screwed people out of homes and everything else? Oh, yeah. And what about the wars that go on? And the, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, omelet, eggs, you got to break a few. You know, it happens. We had wars before the financial system. We had wars <laughs> before there was, you know. But not, but not um, on the scale is, I, I think, what I'm kind of getting at. But I'm, I'm probably getting off topic here. Yeah. Um, so even if those things are problems, I'm pretty sure that cryptocurrency wouldn't actually answer them mm. um, for all sorts of reasons. Like, I don't think the economic model works. Um, that is, it isn't actually digital gold. Um, one thing I found a lot, people are into Austria, actual, a lot of Austrian economics people are yes. really not into Bitcoin at all because they want actual gold. They really do not accept this digital substitute. That's, yeah. And of course, it turns part. out you can copy the code and create another gold mine by cut and paste. Oh, I'll invent my own magical internet money. There's Litecoin. There's Ethereum, which does another little weird trick. There's, or I disagree with how they're running things. We're going to do Bitcoin Cash. You know, um, it, it it could it, be considered a a form of inflation, right? It, it's well, it, it's an inflation in the uh, money supply of cryptos because yeah. the markets. Now it's important. 
this is an observation which um, I make a lot, but a lot of people don't seem to, is the markets don't care. The markets do not care about your ideology. They only care about market ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, they only care about whether they can make money today. So the markets treat all of this stuff as cryptos, one sort of thing. So, you know, apples aren't oranges, but it's not an apple or orange market. It's a fruit market. Um, so um, um, decentralized proof-of-work coins and um, centralized tokens like Ripple um, and ICO tokens, which are run on a smart contract, which someone runs, they're completely controlled. Um, they're all traded in the same market on the same sort of terms. Right. And you have Bitcoin original BTC is like the um, big one, but I think it's not qualitatively different. It's quantitatively different. It, it's large and it's what a lot of the others are denominated in. But I think the market doesn't actually care about the ideology. And you see this too with people with payment use case. They don't, uh, people who use cryptos for payment, like say it's hard getting um, conventional currencies in and out of a given country internationally. Um, They'll trade whatever token happens to let them shift value fast. Usually Bitcoin or Ethereum because they're highly exchangeable. Maybe uh, Ripple, maybe Monero if they're, um, buying something someone doesn't want them to, that sort of thing. They use whichever one's good. Um, when the BTC fees were going through the roof in 2017, the right. darknet markets really went off it. So they went to other cryptocurrencies. They like used whichever one was able. They liked the fact that it was easily movable fast. Mm-hmm. They didn't care about any other aspect. Basically, it did one job well, and that was the job it did well. So I will say there's a small payment use case for cryptos, but it's not a big one. Right. And um, I, I think that's a very, 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 very valid point. Um, wh- what do you think about the remittance idea? Um, we're seeing, at least in, on my end here, um, I, not a lot of use, but you're seeing more uh, an uptick. I'm trying to, because I, I know you're, you're seeing more than zero, yeah. It's in sort of, Venezuela uh, and stuff like that. Go ahead. I don't know about Venezuela. I mean, there was actually a really good interview. Um, um, e-currency hodler from the Litecoin podcast did an interview with um, a guy who's actually on the ground in Venezuela talking about this. Um, and he described what they were actually doing, which is to oversimplify it's wealthy people who buy a Bitcoin miner. Mm. Um, and they can mine coins there, sell them for US dollars, then they have to get the US dollars back in. So... It's really tiny. It's negligible on the scale of Venezuela. Um, this is as opposed to the memetic version, which was actually in the newspapers a few years ago, which I, I talked about in the book, where they say, this is a significant thing in Venezuela. It's non-negligible. It's overtaking Venezuela. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't at any point. Um, <laughs> you know, it was always tiny. It was always a thing that more than zero people were doing, but on any scale, it was negligible. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the remittance case. There was also a meme in Bitcoin land where it was obviously going to be so much better than Western Union or whatever. No fees. It's so fast. Well, it turns out this isn't the case when you have to factor in converting at either end. And it turns out you, there is a use case for it, but it's a very marginal business like remittance businesses tend to be. Um, mm. So you see companies like, what was the company? Veeam, I think it was. They um, right, right they actually do a business in remittance internationally and they send money via various channels, Swift or whatever. And 
Bitcoin and Ether are two of the channels they use. And sometimes it's the best and sometimes it isn't. And, you know, so there is a remittance use case, but again, it's a marginal business and it's only a bit of one. Wow. And so 10 years in here, uh, we're just a day off of, uh, in, in my uh, part of the world. Um, Satoshi day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Genesis block day. Sure. Um, in the next 10 years, uh, your, your crystal ball, because uh, you've almost been um, involved in one form or another since since the get-go here. Um, wh- wh- where do you see the, wh- what's your prediction for the, uh, for the future of crypto? Good question. I don't think there'll be another bubble for quite a few years. I, th- I consider it quite possible there will be another bubble um, because there's a certain proportion of the population who want to get rich for free um, and are not very bright. Or they're very, they might be bright, but they're very foolish in a particular way. Like 20 years ago, they're the people who would have been buying ostrich farms because it's a sure thing that'll make them rich and they'll never have to work again. Uh-huh. Um, so, and they got into they got into cryptos and they bought whatever coin ICO and it was terrible and they lost all their money. So, I think the stock of those people has been completely exhausted as far as cryptocurrencies are concerned. I think it'll be a few years before they replenish. Um, I predict my price prediction for 2019 is that you'll be able to buy cryptocurrencies for a price. For money. <laughs> They'll be exchange. They will be exchangeable for money for the entirety of this year and almost certainly for next year. So that's about as far as I'll say on the price because I've, I've given up price prediction, but um, I think that, cryptocurrencies will become more regulated sort of commodities or maybe securities depending on jurisdiction and characteristics. I think that the ICO boom is going to disappear because as a piece of financial technology, I don't think ICOs are a very good one. Um, They don't quite, your your good old 2017 style regulation lol type um, ICO where they just don't care. Buy my ether and you'll get some magic beans, which you can totally sell on. Um, this doesn't work and the SEC will break your door down. Um, or they'll, they'll call it very politely and um, you'll arrange some, you'll have a nice talk with them and two months later there'll be an admin order where you admit nothing and pay a few hundred thousand dollars fine. Right, right. So don't do that. <laughs> but I, but I, 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 you look at ICOs and I think now there should be a way to make that work. So, Honestly, but I can't I see that. <laughs> I mean, you look at something like Telegram, where they managed to get $1.7 billion of actual US dollars, by the way, not cryptos, and for, because they were Telegram. And they said, we're going to do a blockchain. It'll be all singing, all dancing, and it'll... Um, you, you just blogged about this, right? Like just days yep, ago. That was the one I just blogged about. And it's yeah. like, the, the, white, the white paper is nonsense. It's like they took all the ideas that Ethereum rejected and went, oh, we can totally do that. And, um, <laughs> but that doesn't matter because, one, the thing with ICOs is the SEC gets upset when you sell it to retail investors, but if you sell it to rich people who are rich enough to know better, that is their problem. If you're rich enough, you're allowed to spend your money on magic beans that don't exist. Nobody cares because if you're going to be stupid, that's your own problem. You know, fair enough. And... Um, Telegram managed to laser focus on absolutely the richest fools in the room. And I admire that sort of. So (laughs) all they have to do is get a network up by October, 2019, and they've got $1.7 billion. And I expect that 
the, the, the white paper was written by Nikolai Durov, who's the other guy from Telegram Messenger. There's Pavel, yeah, the businessman, Nikolai, the um, computer scientist. He's a super smart guy. And he's the sort of super smart guy who has convinced everyone else is stupid. Um, this is a hazardous way to live. So he's <laughs> doing everything. For, he's the one who did the Telegram Messenger encryption where he, they rolled their own crypto, which no cryptographer says you should do that you know it's the most because you may be really really smart but so is everyone else right so are all the attackers and there are there's a lot more of them and they're very creative so rolling your own crypto is a really bad idea but um so telegram did that for part of their telegram blockchain network as well so it'll be i'm sure it'll be vastly hilarious all they need to do is get a network up. They've got $1.7 billion. Wow. Good. It's just crazy. And, um, these, these rich guys can, these rich venture capitalists can uh, have a pile of gram tokens to use on it. Um, maybe <laughs> it'll be awesome, but it'll be yeah. awesome because I expect it'll be a centrally run system. It'll be as decentralized and free and easy and anarchic and as Ripple. Right, right. That's really, really, really a really good point. Um, wow. Cause uh, you know, the ripple token, people love the ripple token. They trade <laughs> it, they play with it, they mess with it. It's run by a company. Like, Oh, you're going to get, you're going to get the XRP army all over me. Go ahead. Oh, I, I've blocked them repeatedly there. <laughs> no, actually what I do on Twitter is I, I almost never block people. I generally just mute them and it's really great fun having them yelling into the void in my mentions. For <laughs> Sometimes I have a look and they're, Oh yeah, he's still at it. Cool. Yeah. Hope having fun. I'd never say to anyone, don't block people on Twitter. No, no, no. I mean, block and block and mute freely, you know. Um, and speaking there's of no Twitter. sort of daily dietary requirement of poisonous idiot. But, um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and speaking of Twitter, you just got a shout out from, uh, from none other than Vic, uh, Vitalik Buterin. Did that, did that surprise you? Um, I was pleased, but... Um, you know, the bit in the book about how Ethereum works, that was basically based on a Reddit post from Vitalik after I posted on Buckcoin asking, look, I don't understand how Ethereum works. Is this how it works? And so Vitalik posted saying, that's not right. That's right. This is how it works. I went, so it works like this. Went, yep, that's right. He was very helpful. Yeah. Vitalik seems like a really nice fellow. He really I felt does. almost mean with the quantum computing bit in the book. <laughs> I saw that. Now, he was 19 and... This was not, a lot of people say, well, Vidal is a crook because of this. No, he wasn't. He was young and stupid. This happens with smart guys, as I said. Right. Like, I'm reasonably bright, but I've been smart enough to be arrogant and think I'm smarter than everyone. It turns out that being a human, I'm actually a dumbass. Yeah. So, and that applies to every, any smart person needs to know that they're dumbasses. So I think that might have been Vitalik's dumbass moment. And he's, he actually tries very hard to sort of, be a good project leader and that's nice so good i, I like think a, i i, I think ethereum is there are many things that are dubious about ethereum but it's a really interesting project technically so i like follow the technical side of it quite a lot because it, it, it's really interesting what they're doing i don't know if it's a good idea but it's interesting and uh you know it, it for better or worse it has brought in uh uh you know billions in in capital and uh and people are 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 doing things with it, whether that comes, you know, to fruition or, you know, we, we find uh, use cases uh, is going to be an interesting, and I, I, I was going to say that I, I find Vitalik to be an allegory. I'm not sure if I'm using that right for sort of the broader ecosystem. Like we see his evolution as, is kind of, 
is I think kind of that for cryptocurrency um, in in general. And um, I don't know. I, I'm obviously much more hopeful than you are, but uh, I think um, I think uh, Vitalik is is one of our our stars and one of these guys that can bridge the world between skeptics because he's he's not going to shout you down and, and call you names and uh, true believers whom he continually pours water on, um, including my camp. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, when the book came out, I was actually surprised. I've been dealing with like the worst of the Bitcoin subculture and, you know, uh, there's some people who are just a bit over enthusiastic. Um, <laughs> so I was actually surprised when I got to meet Bitcoin and crypto fans and the majority are just fine. Like, they're reality based and I had all these Bitcoiners who really loved the book because it was reality based and they'd just been overdosing on hype and yeah. even if they thought I was wrong they could argue because like I have references right <laughs> yeah. right and, and there's a reason that, it's got 400 footnotes right exactly um, and in 400 he just said uh, footnotes and that too is another thing I love about the space is that it, it is unafraid to laugh at itself. Now, again, you, you have to look a little bit uh, to find it, but uh, the, the true blue people are, are you know, our, our memes are legendary and uh, we definitely uh, clown on, on one another quite, quite a bit. Um, I'd be remiss and I'm not sure how much you want to go into it because uh, I've taken up a gang of your time. Um, if, uh, if I didn't ask a little bit about your position on, on Ross Ulbricht. I know that in itself is a whole another book and, you know, we get into legal uh, stuff and whatever. My position is basically the mainstream one. Um, huh. So arguably his being jailed for life with no parole is excessive. Even his appeal judge said that he thought the sentence was a bit much, but he didn't have the power to alter it. I'm glad you but said it that. It turns out that being caught with a laptop full of all the evidence ever doesn't go well in court. Um, I... I, I think I've cited my sources in the book on this one. <laughs> and sure, sure. I, I, if I were to want to change my mind, I'd need actually compelling reason to. Right, right. Uh, I think that's fair. Um, <clears throat> for for us, you know, taking out the uh, um, some of the more... I suggest that also that anyone who really wants to argue the point needs to know the judgments backwards because they're like really good and well-written. Um, you may not, you may hate them and what they say, but they are actually quite well written, and the judges in each case explain their position quite well in a and lot of detail, showing and, their showing their footnotes. Right, and they're on they're on they're they're all public. Um, oh yeah, you know. Um, do you have any particular position about the ability, um, in very general terms, to create a website that uh, allows buyers and sellers? to trade and buy and sell in things that run afoul of, uh, of government uh, approval, uh, say um, drugs and so on? Do you, do you have a, a lock stock opinion on that? Well, I, f I don't think it's a controversial opinion to say the war on drugs is dumb and bad public policy. Awesome. Um, and, you know, but um, the Silk Road was stupendously illegal, like really obviously so. And everyone assumed that Resolbrick had the best operational security in the world, and it turned out he sort of didn't really. Um, but, and, you know, it was an ideological project. That, that's not disputable, really. He, he wasn't doing this just Agreed. to 
make a bundle in out of drugs. He was really quite ideological. He lived quite modestly. I mean, did he live in a share house? I forget. Something but, like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't sort of living in a Colombian mansion uh, or whatever. No. No. Of the uh, stereotypical movie type drug baron. No so, Lambos and so on. No, no, no Lambos. Not like the Alpha Bay guy. Good Lord, that guy. <laughs> um, wow. Everything I read about the Alpha Bay guy, went, wow, you are really horrible, weren't you? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I have, a le- I have a more positive opinion of Ross than I do of that guy. <laughs> sure, sure. And I forget of, his name. All, all I don't really your, want to remember it. All of your opinions come from what is available publicly, right? You don't have any inside information? or No, nothing. Okay. I just read, I just read up on the case. Sure, um, sure. Um, but, and that's, um, that's reasonable. Go ahead. So, yeah, um, people who want to run dark nets now, I think they're mostly not ideological. They're in it for the money and fine, you know, business. And um, I'm the main problem with this stuff is that it's illegal and um, criminals are sometimes not very nice people and not very patient and that sort of thing. Um, mm. and they can tend to get very tetchy if they think things aren't going right and so forth. So, yeah. Um, well, my favorite drugs are um, coffee and homebrew made. So, yeah. <laughs> Let's hope they're never made illegal. Um. <laughs> I, used to like, I used to like, well, that's the great thing about homebrew alcohol. It's so, so ridiculously easy to make that even though, Physically, it's a hard drug. There's no way they could ban it effectively because it's there just it stupidly easy to make. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, for you know, authentic English rocket fuel. It turns out that <laughs> my wife is quite clever. Uh, well, I think that's that's kind of where you know we we fundamentally separate in terms of uh, things being illegal versus things being right or wrong. Um, but I, I do appreciate. There's a lot of illegal things that I think are just fine morally, right. but um, so the main consideration then is operational, i.e., hmm, so this thing, I have no moral qualms with it, but it's probably quite illegal, so I should have good operational security and not keep everything on the same laptop I download TV shows onto. And that's yeah, sort of that, was, that was really, really interesting. Um, uh, well, let, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's plug the book. Um, I, I did a very bad job of that. Um, it's called Attack of the 50-Foot Blockchain. Um, it was released in 2017, still extremely relevant. Uh, the subtitle is Bitcoin, Blockchain, Ethereum, and Smart Contracts, which we didn't have time to get into. Uh, it is by David Gerard, G-E-R-A-R-D, and he has a blog up at davidgerard.co.uk, and uh, go ahead and click over there. I think he's well worth reading. He's well worth considering. Um, even if ultimately you, you come down on on a different uh, point of view, he is. I try to be reality based and useful. Yeah, and 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 I think that comes from our shared reality. Then there'll always be points of discussion. Like I'm happy, I, I happily talk with reality based crypto people who are much more optimistic than me, and that's fine. Yeah, you know? and and I think also on Twitter, the the two D medium of Twitter and say the two D medium of of uh, of a book can make anybody appear slightly more aggressive and one of the reasons that I wanted you on was to dispel some of that so we can kind of lower 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 the the hostility between everybody uh, because I think there's I, I think you're ultimately coming from a good place 
And I think it is uh, true that I'm a bit of an ass, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> not at all, not at all. Like I, I found you perfectly pleasant, and uh, um, uh, you, you're, you're certainly, you know, you're professional. Um, you're, you, you entertained all my dumb questions. Uh, you're just a fantastic guest. So um, I really Thank appreciate you. the time. Um, best of luck. And wait, hold on. You have, I, I heard to the grapevine, this was so, you self-published Attack, and you're now, it went so well that you're actually uh, uh, looking at, at something, uh, doing another book. Is that right? Well, I'm working on a second book. The working title is World's Worst ICOs. Now, some would say, so, you're covering all of them. No, but um, I, this is because I've blogged maybe about 15 of them, and uh, there's about 10 more which I absolutely have to cover. Telegram was one of them. Um, so I wrote that Telegram post, which I put up last week. Um, I'll do an expanded version of that. Kodak Coin, which I've covered in more detail than anyone, um, which is a good example of why ICOs are terrible. As, as a financial technology because they had to do it as regulated as they could and it turned out that made the most unattractive offering and no one bought it. Um, and there's a few others I have to cover. There's I'll have to cover EOS and that'll be amazing. Uh, uh, I, I wanted to ask you about it, but go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's everything about EOS just seems the dodgiest project. I, I, I won't go into detail until I have a full set of references sure. to hand because, you know, you don't say rude things about rich people unless you have your references. <laughs> <forward to> <laughs> and you thought 1.7 billion was a lot. Try four. Oh, that was fabulous. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> in um, things like the earliest ICOs, as far as I can tell, the term ICO, the first one was MasterCoin, which became the Omni layer, which was the basis of Tether in 2013. But the term... ICO didn't seem to come along till about July 2014, as far as I can tell. Early history like that, it's interesting, because original initial coin offerings were coins. They were altcoins. So, yeah, it's all amazing stuff. It really is, and uh, I, I super appreciate your time. Um, you've, you've been uh, very, very, very generous with it. I think I told you 30 you minutes, and I completely lied to you. So uh, thank you again. Best of luck with the projects in the future. Um, cannot wait for the second book. Uh, David Gerard, everybody. Uh, thanks again, David, and uh, and best to you. Thank you very much. Thank you.